the Word of God. This morning I participated in the Sunday school, and you guys are really serious studying the Bible. That's good. I heard this story about a pastor who, who wanted to know what was going on in Sunday school. So he went to visit, and he asked the question, and he said, um, who destroyed the walls of Jericho? And there was silence. Nobody said anything. And one little boy raised his hand, and he said, not me, sir. <laughs> and the pastor looked at the boy and the teacher, and the teacher was silent too, and the teacher said, well, I know the boy and his family. I don't think he did it. So he left the Sunday school class, and during the week, there was a meeting, a board meeting. So he told his story. He expected the people were laughing, and it was silent. And then the president of the board said, well, how much is the damage done so we can pay? <laughs> <laughs> now you know who destroyed the walls of Jericho, right? You have been studying. Is it God? Is it angel of God? Or... What happened? Yes, we need to be studying his word to know not just some trivia, not just some things, but really try to understand what God is saying to us. I would like to share this morning with you um, Mark chapter 3. It is about the disciples, and we also we are disciples of Christ, learners, apprentices. Chapter 3, Mark chapter 3. That's what I'll be focusing this morning. I will read starting from verse 13. It says, And he went up on the mountain and summoned those whom he himself wanted. And they came to him. And he appointed twelve so that they would be with him and that he could send them out to preach. Um and to have authority to cast out demons. Very clear, isn't it? So Jesus selected, he appointed 12 disciples with three purposes. What are those? First is what? That they would be with him. And the second is what? That he would send them out to preach. And third, even he gave them power and authority that they would ha have power and authority over demons and even to heal sickness and all that. They empowered them. Now let's reflect about this. Let's think what, what is the importance of being with Jesus. Now, those men and women who have, been, uh, who have made great impact in the world have been those who knew how to be in the presence of God. Now, we say in Old Testament, like um, Exodus chapter 33, uh, about Moses, for instance, Exodus chapter 33, he wanted the presence of God. In verse 7 says this, Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, a good distance from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. So it was his habit, it was his part of, of him to, um, to go every day to meet with God. It says that it was outside of the, of the camp, 
this tent and he called tent a meeting. Do we have a tent a meeting? Do you have a tent a meeting? A specific place that where you usually go to meet with God, to talk to God. And Moses would go to this place and people would be just watching him and they would say the glory of God, the cloud descend to that. And Moses would go in there and talk to God face to face. How about that? Wonderful. Talk to God face to face. In one occasion, he went there, and as he was talking with God, and he went with his assistant pastor, okay, I'm contextualizing a little bit, uh, Joshua. And so he talked, and he said, well, Joshua, it is time to go. And he, he left, but Joshua said, I just want to stay a little bit more in the presence of God. And he was the next leader who, who took the Israelites to the promised land. The importance of being in the presence of God. And Moses, he would be asking God. He would be talking to God. What was he praying? Moses, what, what more else do you want? You have been in so close with God, and God gave you Ten Commandments and everything. That's good enough. No, Moses wanted more of God. And he would talk to him, and he would say, Oh, God, teach me. Show me your way. I want to know. I want to learn from you. Show me your way. And God responded, and he didn't just send a note or a manual or book or something like that. He said, I am going to be with you. My presence go with you. And then Moses said, Lord, if your presence is not going to be with us, it is better do not move us from this place because we really, really need your presence. What more else is going to make us different from other people? We'll be just in any other group, but your presence is going to make a difference. Do you agree with that? In this church, what we need is the presence of God. If the presence of God is not here, would be just any other religious group of people get together and talk about it and sing. Nothing happens. But the presence of God, that can change our lives. So Moses prayed for that. And God answered. And God said, well, my presence will go with you. And Moses wasn't done with it. And he says, thank you, Lord. I need now your glory. Show me your glory. Show me your glory. And God answered him too. And we can see other places in the Bible like uh, uh, David in the Psalms. And he would cry out to God. Psalm 5, for instance. He would say, in the morning, I will present myself before you. In the morning, I will pray. In the morning, you will hear my cry, oh God. That longing, that thirst of the presence of God. One time encounter wasn't enough. He was, he was searching for his presence every day searching. Even Jesus, do you remember about Jesus? Uh, Mark chapter 1 verse 35, before that Jesus was ministering people. He was healing, preaching, and, and, and casting out demons, and he had been working late at night. Now Mark uh, chapter 1 verse 35 says that he went to bed, and he slept, and next morning still dark. What time that would be? Around 5? Four? In the text, it says still dark, very early in the morning. And he would go to a, a place to be alone with his father. Jesus, the son of God, and he needed this. How much more we need to be in the presence of God. And he would talk to God 
there. In, in that was his habitual thing of doing it, to, to meet with God the Father, to be with him. Now, we, Jesus came here to teach us, so we need to learn from him. How is that he lived, the kind of life he lived? Sometimes there's misunderstandings, and we, we don't seem to capture that aspect of Jesus as a teacher, as an example, because some liberal theologians went to other ways, so we don't seem to capture that part. But Jesus, he didn't just come to die for our sins. Yes, don't misunderstand me. He came here to die for our sins. The Bible says that, yes. But he came more than that just to die. Okay, I'm going to exaggerate a little bit. Jesus then came and said, well, do you know what? God the Father is mad at you. And he wants to kill you because you guys are sinners. So I said to God the Father, kill me instead of killing them. So I came. So you kill me. Then you will be saved. You will be forgiven. Is that what Jesus did? It's cruel, right? But he didn't. No, he came to this world to show us how we are supposed to live to show us the kind of life that God has designed for us to live. Now, the sin thing ruins us, but he came to forgive us, to deliver us from sin, and show us what is the purpose of God, what kind of life does God intended for us to live. In one of the aspects we see in, Acts, uh, in uh, Mark chapter 135 is he was so connected with his Father, there are instances when Jesus says, I am doing things because I am seeing what my Father is doing, those things. I am doing it. I am teaching, I am talking because I can hear my Father saying, that's what I am doing. It. So he was so intimately connected with his Father. We need God. We need the presence of God, don't you think? We need the presence of God more than anything else. His presence Let's think about this way. How did God create things in the beginning? By his word. He said he directed his word to something somewhere, and, and, and things happened. For instance, when he said there would be plants, and from the dirt plants emerged. Now the plant is dependent upon the dirt. Yes or no? When you separate the plant, what will happen? It will die. When he directed his, his voice, his word to the waters, there were fish. Now fish is dependent upon the water. When you separate fish from the water, what would happen? It would die. Now when he created human being, how did he create? Did he speak or no? <laughs> yes, he did, right? Where, where was his focus? Where did he talk to? To dirt or somewhere? Where? He talked to himself. He said, let us. Where do we find that? Genesis 1, 26, 27. Let us make human being according to our image, according to our likeness. So in, in a sense, we come from God. And we are made to live so dependent upon God. Otherwise, we cannot function without God. That's how we are made. It is so important to be in the presence of God where we can be transformed. So as I was saying that Jesus also came to teach us, to show us the way, what kind of life is possible. Now when we look at it, Jesus, it's amazing. 
the excuse would be, yeah, but Jesus was God, so I am not. I can't live like Jesus. But we need to remember that he lived like a human being. Do you agree? He lived like, like us. But how did he live that kind of life, that supernatural kind of life? It says that he did that because of the power of the Holy Spirit. He was so intimate with the Father. And that's how he's, that's why he would say, uh, like John chapter um, uh, 14, uh, 12, somewhere there, he says, do you know, um, you saw me, how I, I do things, how I minister people, how I preach and, and all that. Yes, yes, they say, the disciples. Okay, now I'm telling you, he says, you are going to do same things even greater than these things. Can you believe that? Wow, that's what he said. Why? Because he showed us how we can live that kind of life with the power of God. Now, how many of us, I'm not going to say raise your hand, but you can respond in your hand. Do we really, really believe that Jesus is real and he is our teacher? Do we really believe that? He is our teacher. He is present. He is among us. He is here. And he is accessible. We can talk to him. We can interact with him. Do we really believe that? Sometimes it is easy to say, if I say, how many of you love God? Yes, I love God. But how do you know really uh, you really love God? And you read in the Bible, like John 14, and it says, those who love me will obey my commandments, will do my commandments, will obey. That's the indication that they will love me. It says in, in the text. Now about Jesus being a teacher, how do we really know that I really, really believe that he is my teacher? For instance, if I say, uh, this building is in fire, and you are sitting there and you say, yeah, I believe you, Pastor, yeah, I believe you in fire, you're still sitting. Do you believe me? No, you're just saying it. If you really believe, you'd be running out. Now, if I really believe that Jesus is the greatest teacher alive today, and he is accessible, I should be making appointments with Jesus Every day I should be sitting in his feet, asking questions and learning from him and, and, and talking to him and saying, wow, thank you, Jesus. I didn't know this. Thank you, Jesus. Wow, for the first time I'm learning. Thank you. And it would be exciting. It would be joy to meet with Jesus. Yes or no? But if I am not doing those things, what does it mean? I'm just talking and I'm just saying it. He is a teacher. But if I really believe that he is a teacher that I can learn from him, then I should set aside time, spend time with him, talk to him, ask questions. And there should be moments in our lives when you say, wow, or aha moments. Say, wow, I didn't know this. Thank you. There should be moments that Lord touch our hearts, talk to us. Now, is that really possible? Yeah, early Christians, for instance, people would notice that they would say, yes, these guys, really, they were with Jesus. Let's find uh, in your Bible, um, book of Acts. Acts chapter, just a minute, chapter 4, somewhere there, chapter 4. Um, you can read even before that. And so talks about Peter and John. They were uh, preaching and talking about Christ, and they healed the sick, and they got in trouble. They were arrested. 
But they were not afraid because they know Jesus. They have been with Jesus. So I'm going to read verse um, 5. Acts, New Testament, Acts chapter 4, verse 5 says, On the next day, their rulers and elders and the scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem. And Anas, the high priest, was there, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were in high priestly descent. When they had placed them, Peter and John, okay, in the center, they began to inquire by what power or in what name have you done this? Then Peter, I love this, wow, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all of people in Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men, by which you must be saved. Wow. Do you know what they said? Now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John, and they said, wow, these guys are uneducated. They are untrained. They are nobodies. They don't have theological degrees. They don't have masters in theology or doctorate in theology. Maybe we can contextualize a little bit. They've never been in Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. <laughs> they don't have any training. Yet, they had anointing, power, wisdom, what they said. It, it really made sense, convicted them. And they said, they realized that the only conclusion they had come was they have been with Jesus. They must have been with Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. That will make difference. You can have a lot of degrees and theological degrees, whatever you want. You can, those are not bad. It's good. But only in the presence of God. Only He can anoint us. He can give us that power, that revelation. You don't need all those trainings if you don't have it. Don't worry about it. But yes, we do desperately need to be in the presence of God where we can be empowered and then we would be bold to, to talk about Christ, to preach, to, to make disciples. What more else do we need to be in the presence of God? It is exciting. And, and it says in um, Second um, Corinthians, Let's look at it at 2 Corinthians chapter 3. You can read 
The whole chapter is just wonderful, but I'm going to just read the last part. It says this, I'm going to read 2 Corinthians, New Testament chapter 3, verse 17 says, Now, the Lord is the Spirit. In where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being, what? Are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. Wow. What does it say? What did we get from that passage? How, how can I be changed? I want to be transformed. Bible says that I, I ought to be like Jesus. I don't know if that is possible or not, but it is, it is there, so it must be possible. How can I be changed? It says that as we learn to be in the presence of God, as we learn to contemplate His presence, behold His, His, His face, His presence, it says that we are being transformed from glory to glory. How many of you are like that? Hallelujah. Being transformed from glory to glory into the same image of Jesus Christ. How do you react to that? When I read those passages for the first time, it was like a shock to me. I said, wow, is that really possible? But it says here, what am I talking about? To be changed, to be transformed into the same image of Jesus Christ. Like um, Ephesians chapter 4, uh, 11, 12, 13, you will read that passage. It says that God has given apostles, prophets, um, pastors, evangelists, all that, so that they can train and that people would grow to the full measure of what? Did you read that passage? So we may grow to the full measure of Jesus Christ. Another passage, Romans chapter uh, 8, verse 29. It says that we are predestined. This is our destiny that we may be made like his son, Jesus Christ. You say, wow, look at that. So that I, there is hope then that I can be changed into the, the image of Christ, into the character of likeness of Christ. How is that going to happen? Sometimes people seem to have this idea. Uh, go church or somewhere and then receive Christ and say, yes, you are saved. Okay, I got my ticket <laughs> to heaven. That's good enough, right? Just I'm waiting to be raptured. No, no, that is just the beginning. We are to be transformed. You need to know God even more. We just know just a little bit of God. There is more. For instance, he's, Jesus says, uh, John chapter 10, verse 10, the evil one, he has a plan for your life. His plan is to rob you, the joy, to steal, to, to kill you, to destroy. That's what he wants to do. That's what he is after. But Jesus says, but I came to this world to do what? To give you life in more 
abundantly. How many would like that? Hallelujah. That's why I came, Jesus, to give you life. In fact, Jesus defines salvation in terms of life. The, the passage that you know very well, John 3.16. What does it say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not be lost, should not perish, but have everlasting life, eternal life. What are you saying there? Life. What kind of life? Life that belongs to the eternity, to different kind of life, new life, that is salvation. He didn't come just to give us ticket to go to heaven. He came to give us different kind of life that is so powerful, that is supernatural life. So we ought to be experiencing those kind of life and say, wow, I never knew this kind of life existed. But he came to give us that kind of life. People would look at it, Jesus, and say, wow, who is this? This is just son of carpenter, but look what the wisdom he has. Look what things he does. And Jesus says, you can do the same thing that I have been doing. Wow, Jesus, how is that possible? That's why we need to be on our knees in his presence and say, Lord, here I am. Change me, Lord. I want to know that. Maybe I can give you one of the advices. I don't know if it would be advice or not, but this really helped me. I am so grateful to my teachers. Yes, I did study theology and all that. It was helpful, but what I learned more is reading scriptures, and you say this. You read the Bible and say, wow, this is so wonderful. This is great. And you say, but my life is not experiencing, it's not happening. Why not? Here's what it says. And, and should be living that kind of life. And you say, Lord, I want this. I don't understand how that would work, but it is your word. I want this, Lord. I want to experience this, what your word says. That only happens when we go to the presence of God and ask him that he can show us, he can teach us. So he can transform us. We can talk more, but let's go to the second point. What is the second point? Not only to be with Jesus, but second purpose was that he can send them out to preach the gospel. Ah, you say, but that is not my gift. No, I, I am shy. No, I, I can't just go and evangelize people. Uh, I heard about a missionary, um, Peter Wagner. I don't know how many of you heard about him. He was a missionary to Bolivia. Okay, he was a missionary to Bolivia, and he tells this story. He says, I, I want to, he couldn't do it. And then one lady came front and gave testimony, and she said, ah, I went souls for Christ, and, and he sh she shared this story that how she was in a bus, in public bus, and talked to the next person and became a Christian. And, and, and Peter Wagner is sitting there. He's a missionary, okay? Uh, he is American missionary there, and he says, I got the idea. Okay, he says, and he does the same thing, and he starts talking to the next guy, and that guy gets mad at him. <laughs> and he says, I fell on that too. Now let's, let's carefully listen what Jesus is saying to us. Some people can be so excited, okay, I'm going to go and win souls, and then fail, can do it. What does Jesus say? He says this, 
Come to me. Come to me. You are shy. You have never done it. Doesn't matter. Come to me just as you are. Just come to me, he says. And he promises, I will, what? Make you fishers of man. Hallelujah. Amen? That's what he said. Don't try to do it. Don't try to impress. Don't try to do anything. No, just, just come to me. Come to me. And I will train you. I will transform you. I will teach you how to do. But first to step you how to come to me. And I will make you fisher of man. Those guys were not trained. Those guys in the eyes of the people, ignorant, non-trained, no, no education. But they were bold. Why? Because they have been with Jesus. Where they found the transformation, the power. Once you are with Jesus, you cannot be quiet. Yes or no? You can't be just go church, go home. You go. There is something in your heart that you have to share the, the word of God. You can't be still. You can't be just looking at people. How many people are dying, going to hell? You can't be just there. It has to move you in your heart because you have been with Jesus. Maybe some people would say, well, I'm, I'm not. I'm just coming a couple of years here. doesn't matter. If you are with Jesus, that God can empower you to share. That is the next step, to share the gospel. Remember, he gave us the highest authority, the Lord of lords, the King of kings. Not some kind of president of country, but he is a Lord of lords, King of kings, the resurrected Lord. He told us, he gave us one assignment. Remember that? It's one assignment. And one day, I think if there's a question, I think he's going to ask us, what did you do with my assignment that I give it to you? It is in Matthew chapter 28, 19, 20. And 18 says, all authority has been given to me. And the base of that, now I am telling you, he says, therefore go, and what? And make disciples. Make, no, not just converts. But make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Now, don't be afraid. You're not alone. You're not going to go alone. I'll be with you to the very end of the world. Does it say or no? That's what he says. I'll be with you. How am I going to, to make this happen? I don't know how to do it. Don't worry. I will be with you. I will empower you. Go and make disciples. If he asks us that question one day, what are we going to say? I have been in church. I didn't miss every Sunday I was there. Good, faithful, you're good. Now, did you do my assignment? That was the assignment, to make disciples. How many disciples did you do? No, no, nobody, nobody nominated me in any ministry. I just went to church. No, but I told you, make disciples. Did you do it? Well, in the church, I was in a worship team, and I did that faithfully. That's great, but did you do disciple? That was my assignment. 
Now, those who have been leading people to Christ, you can ask yourself the question in your heart too, since I became Christians, how many people did I lead to Christ? How many people? Or this year, how many people did you lead to Christ? Or help them to know Christ? Or how many people did you disciple? If not, why not? Why not? You have to ask questions because he says, come to me and I will make, I will train you, he says. And then you will be able to do it. We would like to hear that day words that Jesus says, you were faithful. Yes, you did disciple, you did witness. That is wonderful. Come to my kingdom, rejoice. How many of you would like to hear that? Hallelujah, amen then we ought to be in the presence of God so he can change us, that he can empower us, that we can reach out those people in the name of Jesus. There is the third point. What is the third point? What was it? First was what? Let's summarize a little bit here. First was that Jesus appointed disciples so that they can be with him. Now, you got the, the importance of being with Jesus, where we can be transformed, where we can be trained, where we can receive the teaching. And the second one was, he can send us out to preach the gospel. And third one is that he even can give us the power over evil spirits. Some people can be so afraid about the temptation, about the devil, but we have to remember that Jesus overcame that 2,000 years ago, yes or no? And he gave us power and authority. Just read it, that other passage. Um, where do we find the parallel passage of that? Um, Luke chapter 9. What does it say there? Luke chapter 9 says this. And he called the twelve together and he gave them not only power, but what? Power and authority over all the demons and to heal, heal diseases. Power and authority. Doesn't have to do the denomination. You don't have to become Pentecostal or Charisma, anything like that. Just know that God has empowered us, has given us power and authority, even over evil spirits. So we shouldn't be afraid even to pray for the sickness. If, if demon is attacking someone, pray against that because we are ambassadors. We are representatives of, of God. And we are commissioned to do the work of God. Hallelujah. Amen. How is God speaking to you through his word this morning? The importance of being with Jesus where we can be trained, where we can be transformed. And then we are to share, we are to talk, we are to preach the gospel with our lives and also with our words and not be afraid from any devil, any evil spirits. Jesus overcame. We have power and authority. Hallelujah. How many of you would like to pray this morning? Amen. Let's stand up and praise and talk to him according God has Spoken to you this morning. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we praise you in this morning. Thank you for your presence. We love you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for that invitation you call us to be with you. And we ask this morning, forgive us. 
So many times we neglect this hurry of spending time with you, learning from you. And I pray this morning that we make the decision to be alone with you and every day, every morning to ask you questions so that you can change us, mold us into your image, into your likeness. That we may be empowered to do your work, to preach your gospel for your honor and glory. Use us, Lord, according to your will. Thank you, Lord God. I pray your anointing upon this church, upon the elders and leaders, that this church may go out and reach out new people, that we may be able to, to do your work, Lord. Thank you. And I also I pray that give us that hunger, that thirst to seek your face, to seek your presence, O oh Lord, and open our eyes to see your glory. Open our spiritual eyes to contemplate your presence. Open our spiritual eyes, ears to hear your word, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We pray this in your holy, precious name. Amen.